I prophesy a revival coming to America. Why has he given you the ability to talk, the ability to touch, the ability to hear? Why are you here? There have always been, there will always be more of us than there are of them. We are remnant, revenant, resurrected, relevant revivalists. That's who we are. I'm not an abnormal person living in a normal world. I'm a normal person living in an abnormal world. I'm a born-again, fire-baptized, Holy Ghost-filled man of God living in its truth. Dominion Camp Meeting is here July 1, 2, 3 at World Harvest Church. For more details, visit dominioncampmeeting.com. give you a couple of my favorite quotes regarding the subject of mercy. Matthew Henry, the great commentator. If you don't own Matthew Henry's commentaries, you need to own them. Matthew Henry said, the way to forget our miseries is to remember the God of our mercies. I'm going to say it again. You need to tweet that out. You need to type in Glory right now. Matthew Henry, the way to forget our miseries is to remember the God of our mercies. Here's another name you need to know. The great Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer survived the Holocaust, was in two different, two different concentration camps, successfully made it through that, and then won the Nobel Peace Prize. One of the greatest authors I've ever read in my life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, my past life is abundantly full of God's mercies. And above all sin stands the forgiving love of the crucified. And then Dr. Billy Graham said, the wonderful news is that our Lord is a God of mercy and he responds to repentance. Elie Wiesel, oh, great master. He said, oh God, master of the universe, in your infinite compassion, have mercy on us. Now I've mentioned it in previous weeks, but allow me to share it with you again. Uh, compassion is very, very intertwined or related in concept uh, with mercy. Mercy and compassion intertwine. Both are ample demonstrations of the ministry of Jesus. And uh, let me share one of those by way of example. The Lord Jesus came down from the mountain of transfiguration. And when it got down at the base of the mountain, he was confronted with a tumult, confusion, disorder. And so he asked that raucous crowd, mainly made up of scribes, why they were arguing with the people. Here it is from your Bible over in Mark's gospel, 
chapter 9, and I'll begin with verse 17. And hold on with me, because we're going all the way to verse 27. The Bible says, One in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Wherever it takes hold on him, it dashes him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes with his teeth. He becomes rigid. While I was reading that, getting ready to minister to you, God brought an image before me. It was that of the modern primitives. Now, if you don't know anything about a group of people called modern primitives, uh, it's something that every person who is involved in casting out devils should study. You should know about it. It involves bodily mutilation, but it also involves body modification, mutilating and, and, and modifying our bodies. Do you know that there are people who have such a disorder in their mind that they have body dysmorphia? They, they feel like a part of their body, usually an extremity or digits, is, is out, of, out of line and shouldn't be there. And they actually, they actually sever parts of their own bodies, you see. This boy was in such a state. I'm sure you've also heard of those that in an attempt, some say, to control their own pain, cut themselves. We had a young woman that had been delivered that came to Valor Christian College. She always wore long sleeves. Sometimes in Columbus, it's pretty warm. And so one day I said, young lady, why, why do you always wear long sleeves? And she rolled up her sleeves and they were just nothing but scars. I said, honey, don't even cover those up. Those are language God understands. Those testify of the delivering power of God in your life. So I want you to know our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Your Bible says your body is not made for fornication. It is not made for sickness and disease. So we go on with the scripture. This man whose son threw himself in the fire and so forth said, I told your disciples so that they would cast it out, but they could not, but they could not. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Well, my question is, why didn't they go to the king instead of the king's horses and the king's men, you see. So th this man said, look, I, I went to the church folk and they couldn't do much about it. I even went to the leaders who walked with Jesus and they said they couldn't do anything about it. 
Then finally, the man went to Jesus. Jesus said, how long am I going to be with you? Bring the boy to me. So then they brought that boy to him. And when Jesus saw him, or he saw Jesus, immediately that spirit in him, you see, dashed him and he fell upon the ground and he wallowed foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has the boy been like this? And the dad said, from his childhood. He says, often the thing throws him in the fire, throws him into the water, tries to kill him. But if you can do anything, now this is one of the most powerful things in your Bible, get ready, get ready, get ready, because you're going to type glory when I finish with it. That man said, if you can do anything. He didn't even say, if you will. He said, if you can do anything, here it is, have compassion, have mercy on us and help us. And the best translation of Jesus' response is this. It is not a question, said the Lord Jesus. You hear this now. You hear it deep in your spirit. It is not a question about your finances. It is not a question about sickness and disease, pain, infirmity, malady, malfunction. It is not a question regarding your wayward children, your unsaved husband, your rebellious teenager. No, it is not a question, Jesus said, of what I can do, but rather it is a question of what you can believe. I'm going to say it again. Not a question of what Jesus can do, just a question of what you can believe. True compassion. This came up so strongly in my spirit. True compassion requires action. There's another tweet for you. True compassion requires action. You can't just say, I have compassion. Compassion has action just like faith without works is dead. So is mercy. So is compassion. Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Did you hear what this preacher just quoted from the words in red in your Bible? All things are possible to him who believes. Shout right there where you are, I'm a believer. I don't care who's in your house. Shout, I'm a believer. I don't care who's in your car. Shout, I'm a believer. You may be sitting at your lunch break. Shout, I'm a believer. Type in there right now, I believe. I have faith. I trust God. Do it. Come on. Why? Mercy, compassion has action. Immediately, that father of that child cried out, cried out with tears. We talked, we talked about blind Bartimaeus a week ago. Cried out with tears. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. People don't have wisdom. Believe me, we have over 200 employees here at the ministry, and some of them are not graced with the grace of wisdom. Why? Don't ever ask for it. 
Your Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God action. Let him ask of God who gives liberally and will not criticize you for asking. That's Bible, friend. You can have all the wisdom heaven has to offer, but you're not asking for it. Help my unbelief. You say, well, I, my faith seems weak. Well, number one, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Number two, faith comes by impartation. That's why you're here on these Wednesday, Thursday nights, because if somebody has it, you can become a recipient of it. You receive the measure of faith when you're born again. And then there's the gift of faith of the nine gifts of the Spirit, and then also you receive faith, hallelujah, by teaching. Teaching destroys unbelief. Now, when Jesus saw all the people running together to see what in the world was going on, you need to get here, I'm telling you, to unleash this summer, just a few weeks, and what you will see God do through you will shatter your preconceived ideas of how God can use you. Jesus rebuked that spirit, said to it, you mute spirit, come out, I command you, and enter him no more. Why? Because what God does, he does forever. That's in the book of Ezekiel. What God does, he does forever. If he ever did it, it's still done. Aha, you ought to tweet that. If he ever did it, it's still done. And so when Jesus told the thing to come out of him, it, that spirit cried out, <clears throat> but it came out. I said it cried out, but it came out. And it came out of him. And he fell as like he was dead. And so many of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Now, another very, very well-known manifestation of mercy illustrated in your Bible is the parable of the prodigal. Another great, great, great illustration of the manifestation of mercy in, in Jesus' ministry. The prodigal son. It's over in Luke chapter 15 in your Bible. Then he said, a man had two sons. How many sons had the man? Come on, type it in. Type it in. How many sons had the man? He had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, give me that share of my inheritance that belongs to me. Give me that. It belongs. Did you hear me? People say, do you mean you ask God? You ask God to bless you financially? Well, I certainly do. Why, why wouldn't I? This young man didn't get rebuked because he asked for it. It belonged to him. Now, what he did with it is another issue. He said, give me what falls to me. And so the father, watch this now, he not only gave to that son, the elder son, Bible says he divided his estate between them. So they both got it. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together, journeyed to a far country, and there he squandered his possessions in prodigal living. 
And when he had spent everything that he had, there arose a great, great famine in that land, and he began to be in want. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the husk that the swine were eating. Listen, the difference between that culture and this culture, the next line, but no man would give him any. This culture will give you all the husk that the swine, the hogs eat, that you can fill your stomach with. That's right. All the Netflix you want, and I'm not against Netflix. All the DVDs you want, and I'm not against DVDs. All the radio stations you want, and I'm not against radio stations. All the pleasure you want, and I'm not against pleasure. All of the fame, you know the number one, the number one desire of people in the United States of America between the ages of 18 and 35, do you know what it is? They want to be famous. Not for anything. They don't want to accomplish it. They just want to be famous. Oh, what a dead end. What a dead end, my friend. He came to himself, thank God. Remember this. Always remember this. Before you can come to God, you need to come to yourself. That young man looked at himself like I hope a lot of your family members, a lot of the younger portion of this generation, I would to God that you'd come to yourself, that you'd look around yourself and say, what in the world am I doing here? God created you in his image. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and you're cutting it. You're putting all kinds of chemicals in your body. You're destroying yourself. You're destroying yourself by doing the things that the Bible plainly commands will destroy your life. God doesn't give you commands because he's mean, because he's angry. I'm going to show you later. He's not angry. He loves you. And as a loving father, he's trying to guide you away from what would destroy your life. He's full of mercy. And he said to himself, this boy sitting in the hog pen, he said, you know, there's always something you lose on the hog pen trail that you can never get back again. No, no, no one ever told you that. I know, I, I know where you go to church. No one ever told you that. Oh, yeah, you can live loose and free. You can do what you want. What is it? Uh, YOLO, you only live once. Everybody go out, and eat and drink and party for tomorrow we all die. Well, just read the rest of that verse. And after that, the judgment, you see. How many of my father's hired servants, said that boy, who have an abundance of bread to eat, and here I am perishing with hunger, I will arise. 
I will go to my father. You can't go to the father till you first come to yourself. He said, I'm getting up out of here. Somebody's saying that right now. I'm getting up out of here. I feel like there are those watching me tonight that are being tempted by and bowing the knee to homosexual activity. And I'm telling you right now, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. You want to be free? You want to be free? Now, if you don't want to be free, go ahead in what you're doing. But know this, know this. The average homosexual in the United States of America has less than two-thirds of the life expectancy of heterosexuals. The devil wants to destroy you, my dear one, but God is full of mercy. And right now he's saying to you, you can be free. So even as Jesus set that boy who threw himself into the fire, destroying himself, some of you are gambling and you're destroying yourself. I've had people in this very church that go out and they start innocently enough, you know, sitting around at a restaurant playing Keno or something like that. And the next time I saw that precious woman, her whole family had left her. She was abandoned. She was going from place to place in the street begging. She was a very intelligent master's degree teacher of over 30 years. Sin will destroy you. You lose something on the hog pin trail. You can't ever get back. But glory to God, I'm telling you tonight about mercy. Father, I bind. I bind now. In the glorious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, every spirit but the Holy Spirit, Every thought I bring captive to the obedience of Christ. Every lie I cast down. Every principality and power, I break your power over those who desire to be free. And I say, be free now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be free now in the glorious power of the Holy Spirit. Now lift up your hands and say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I don't care what you need free from. There are a whole lot of other people being delivered right now, being delivered from the track of the hog pen trail. And you're coming to yourself right now. You're looking at yourself right now and you're saying to yourself, how in the world did I end up here? Well, you're coming out of there. Jesus not only cast that spirit out, but when they thought the boy was dead, Jesus reached down and lifted him up. I'm here to tell you, he's not there just to kill what's trying to kill you. He's there to raise you up. He's there to resurrect. You're going to be revenant. I, that's a word that I love. And in my book, Revival If, I use it a lot. And that book's coming out just in a few months. Get a hold of it. It's going to shake a generation in Jesus' name. Revenant, that one that everybody thought was dead, but is back to life again. Who was it made that movie? Was it Leonardo DiCaprio made that movie, Revenant? Because everybody thought he was dead, and then he showed up. 
You're about to show up where you never dreamed you'd be. You're about to overcome what's been overcoming you. You're about to be revenant. You're about to be resurrected. You're coming back in the power of God and your latter end shall be better than the beginning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Right now, I speak the living word of God. I thank you that they have no PDD, no ADD, no Asperger syndrome, no autistic symptom, condition, or behavior, including but not limited to perseveration, echolalia, and the rest of it all. In the name of Jesus, that they reason, that they reason. I speak reason into their minds. I speak for a rewiring, a restructuring. You made the brain to begin with, Lord. If it's ticking off time, I ask you to fix it right now. They're sensory mechanisms. I speak healing to them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Let recovery begin now. Heal them immediately, Lord. Heal them over time, little by little. However you drive that out, drive it out, my God, and I praise you for it now. Well, Don, I'm praying for your family's salvation. The apex of all Christian endeavor must become to place the jewel of a soul in the crown of our Savior that the Lamb of God slain receive the reward of his suffering. I speak salvation to you. Some of you have left home. Listen to me. Listen to me. Get back in church. Oh, I love this medium. I love this medium. I will use it forever, but it's not the same as being in the house of God with the people of God, worshiping, praising, praying, faith upon faith, being strengthened by another smile, hearing another's hallelujah, being blessed by a handshake or a pat on the back. Oh, we're so much better together. Jesus wants us assembled. And that doesn't mean just all in the same place. It means every part finding its function. And that's what we're doing this week. If you'll get involved in that great class this coming Sunday morning here at the Harv called What's Next? We'll show you what's next, how to get connected. Father, I pray that every person right now who's away from home, who's away from home, that the great homing device of the Holy Spirit, like it guides the Canadian geese on their great trek of thousands of miles, or the spawning salmon swimming upstream to its point of origin, that it might there give birth Bring them home tonight, Jesus. Bring them home that every person watching, listening to the podcast, every person, Lord, at this exact moment, may they begin to feel 
that tugging, that blessed wooing of the Holy Spirit of God, the mercy of Christ Jesus, bringing them back home, back home to the local church, back home to function, back home to fellowship in Jesus' name. You know, many, 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 many people backslid during COVID. I didn't say necessarily they're on their way to hell. They might be a pretty good duck for the shape they're in, but they're not the duck they might have been. You lose something on the hog pen trail. Come to yourself tonight. Come on back home. Some of you in our own church, it's been so long since we've seen you. We need to see you. We love you. We're not the same without you. Come on home. If you're away from your home church, wherever you're watching, Egan wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Now just open your mouth from your spirit and start to praise him, and that heavenly language will begin to flow out of you. Look, uh, I'm through one section of six sections I wanted to share with you tonight, and my time is running out, but I want you to know when the Holy Spirit moves like this, when he apprehends me like this, grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of it like a pit bull or even better, a big German shepherd like mine laying over there right now. Grab a hold of it and refuse to let go. Refuse to be refused. Deny to be denied. I'm believing God with you right now. And I, I, whenever this happens, I know what I'm supposed to talk about. My, I'm being very conscious of my wedding ring right now. And every time that happens to me, the Holy Spirit says, pray, pray for the backslider and remind them. You know, this is my ring from Joni. But Joni has one from me. We both wear them. And you may have walked away from your covenant with God. You may have laid the ring away so no one would know that you were in relationship with him. But here's what you've forgotten. When the prodigal came home, his dad said, go get a robe and put around him and go get the ring and place it back on his finger. Hosea, the weeping minor prophet of the Old Testament, one of my favorite books, and here's why. Hosea was married to a prostitute. God told him to marry her to make this illustration. She walked away from him, but he refused to let her go. God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, once you come into covenant relationship with him, he never takes his ring off. 
And tonight, he's saying, come on home. I don't, it doesn't matter what condition you're in. You may not be all that far gone, but you know you're not where you need to be. Or you may be in a very difficult place right now. I want God to use me tonight to say to you, he loves you. He's not angry with you. He's forever married to the backslider. Now, he won't make you come back home, but his Holy Spirit right now is wooing you, drawing you. Let him do it. I see those tears. I'm experiencing that lump in your throat. This is it. Come on home. Do it right now. I want you to type in right there where you are, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. You're going to get back in the word. Father, give them a passion for your word. Give them a passion. Give them the want to. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives you the want to. We all know we should be in the word, but the Holy Spirit will give you the want to. We all know we should never miss a church service any more than we just miss work for no reason. It's amazing to me how everybody will miss, won't miss work, but they'll sure miss church. Come on. Come on, I'm just talking to you. Now, this is Rod. You don't have to be Pastor Rod. I'm, I'm just Rod. I'm just talking to you. Come on. It's time. Do you know how I know it's time? Because this book says, you don't have tomorrow. Don't you want the fires of God to burn in your heart again? Don't you want to get so excited on Saturday night that you lay your clothes out in anticipation of getting to go to church on Sunday? Don't you want tears to stream down your face again when the preacher or psalmist says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me? I know you do. Don't you have needs? Don't you have burdens? I mean, how can you afford to miss church and your child needs healed? What excuse will you offer? You're going to keep your children home from church? You're going to send them to school five days a week, six hours a day to be trained in the adversary's camp of your soul? But you can't spare an hour or two on Sunday morning to get them into the church? Come on, time to come home. Come on home. Father, call everyone back home. Let every person, don't let a single person, not a single person, hearing or watching me now, not be in church Sunday morning. The Lord's day, the Shabbat, the Sabbath of God. Let us all be there in our place, ready to worship the king of the eternal ages in all of his glory. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me really helps me get the word out. 
I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.